0: Leslie Kane is an investigative journalist who very recently published a groundbreaking article about David Grush and his whistleblower claims that the US government have recovered craft of a non-human origin. Leslie is the author of two brilliant books, one on UFOs, one on surviving death. In this conversation we talk at length about the whole David Grush situation and its implications, past, present and future. Timestamps are in the description, we hope you enjoy the interview thank you so much for coming back and doing this with me again Leslie to start us off can you please tell me how and when you first heard the name David Grush
1: well it's great to be back with you Ben um yeah the the first time I heard his name was really months before uh I even spoke to him so Mm. I had heard about him from some of my uh inside contacts who also knew him people I've been talking to and working with and I knew that at some point I was going to be introduced to him. It was just a, a question of timing because of his relationship to the work he was doing in, in the government. And he was in the process of making his exit from government. So it was all connected to the appropriate time. But it was many months before uh, I first talked to him, which was in early March, that I actually heard about him.
0: Okay. So you first spoke to him in early March this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That seems so so fresh, so recent.
1: Yeah, but we spent a lot of time talking. So yeah, you yeah,
0: can cover and a lot so, of
1: ground, uh, you know, pretty quickly.
0: So you first spoke to him in early March, he left his position in April, right? So how, how many hours would you say you've spoken to him for?
1: Oh my gosh. I've never thought about it. I mean, I don't know, Ben, many, I mean, many long calls and then some of them with bringing in other people and then, uh, you know, some with Ralph, of course, a lot with Ralph and yeah. I don't know to tell you the truth. I mean, you know, and then I, there's a lot of shorter things too. There's a lot of texting and kind of communications that are going on all the time, especially when we were putting the story together. There were constantly questions I had, So sometimes Mm -hmm. I would just text them. So in terms of adding up all the time, I think it's just, it'd be really hard to do that. I don't
0: know. Yeah. What about rounding it to the nearest 10 hours? Like, is it, was it like, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50? what would you think would be the closest?
1: I mean, in terms of conversations, not that aren't texting. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 hours. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just a rough estimate because a lot of yeah, the stuff I
0: know it's done, hard to,
1: <laughs> a lot of communications are via text or even emails too. So
0: yeah, yeah. Different you. ways and of and communicating. you're not like necessarily, necessarily keeping track of the exact timings, um, but right. that's interesting. Um, Right. i mean this this is just must have been yeah such a whirlwind for you such a crazy couple of months when you first started talking to him did you already know that you were going to be doing this this piece did you already know he was yeah going...
1: pretty much yes i mean that was a lot of the reason for me to meet him was because yeah. he was ready to come forward and i was you know the person he approached for doing the print story mm-hmm. um on this and i was very pleased about that of course um so yeah it was very clear from the beginning so i was basically in there doing my job as a journalist and i was also receiving a lot of documents from him so we would also spend time he would send me stuff we'd talk about it we'd go over it um a lot of time exploring the you know the documentation that i have as well
0: Mm. what kind of documents has he sent you
1: well he sent me of course a copy of his um his uh complaint, complaint the unclassified version of the complaint with the icig which was which I it, it was you know extremely important and then um, some background material about who he is and some performance mm-hmm. reviews of of his uh, which were made at the NRO when he was working there um, very incredibly praiseworthy you know high level per- reviews of his positions there and the work he was doing um, and oh my God there were other there was some documents that I, I'm not supposed to share so I won't even say what they are. Mm-hmm. but um some other memos that he allowed me to read but not to quote from even or even to right. talk about um and so th- 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 those might have been the main ones i may not be thinking of all of them i have a huge file of documents on him but they weren't all from him yeah. but um yeah so there again there are some that i'm i'm not at liberty to talk about but that yeah. you know gave me a lot of background about what he'd been through with his also with his um the you know the harassment and recriminations that were launched against him when he first started talking. So that was a big part of what, of what I was learning about as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever feel like it wasn't, it wasn't going to happen? Like it might not ever make it to print or whatever. Did you like, were there moments in the last few months where it's felt like, oh, it's all, you know, it might fall apart or it's like this.
1: Only time, I mean, I was worried was towards the end when things were leaking. Mm. And that's why we, you know, just tried to get it out really quickly at a certain point. Things were leaking on the social media and, and eventually his name leaked out. And I was just worried that, you know, maybe some hostile actors would put out some negative stories about him yeah if they went i mean i'm not saying they would necessarily be accurate because you know but they could go digging around and try to find something and try to find Mm -hmm. someone that doesn't like him who might be willing to spin something for them you know uh so i you know there's always a fear that somehow the story could be undermined ahead of time and that could affect you know whether an outlet would publish it i mean yeah so but it really wasn't until the end that i had any of those kinds of worries. And um, it just got very hair raising there in the last week or so um, because of things being leaked. So, yeah, that would have been the only reason um, if somebody really took action to try to prevent it from happening. And there was also the possibility that someone in the intelligence world uh, could have not wanted the story to come out and tried to prevent whatever outlet we were working with to print it. But I think that would have been very difficult to do because it would have been so obvious. Mm. Um, but there may have been a way that they would have had power to influence those outlets to not run the story. That could have, that was always a concern as well. But once we got rolling, it, it didn't seem like that was happening as far as we could tell. So,
0: yeah. And it made it. You just it never
1: ended. know. You <laughs> never know with this kind of, a, it was such an explosive story that it was a feeling of like it's really urgent that it happened quickly and that it happened because we didn't, we never knew what would happen. You know, yeah. you just never know with something like this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, it's it's so volatile, so explosive, so, so game changing. And there's so many people that probably don't want that information out there, even though, you know, obviously he was given permission to say certain things, which is kind of, I guess, confusing for a lot of people in itself. Um, you mentioned the harassment and stuff that he had to deal with in his interview with ross he i think he said the reason he came forward was you know in the interests of public service and to do the right thing and that kind of thing i think it was also alluded to that he came forward because his name was was uh, leaked or because of the harassment maybe something to that effect is there kind of like is it a bit of both are you aware of exactly why he did come forward
1: well i think he's always felt it was he was like on a mission that he felt you know he had discovered this. Mm -hmm. And he felt he had a responsibility. He thinks that the people have a right to know the fact that we have this craft or these crafts. Um, And he just decided that, you know, it's his responsibility from ethical and moral reasons to bring it forward, not to reveal anything classified, not to reveal anything about the technology or anything that would endanger our national security. There are obviously things we would not want our adversaries to know. And he respects that. But just the fact that we have this in our possession, and therefore that means there is another intelligence operating here. He felt like the world needs to know that or they have a right to know that, basically. So even when he first started talking and the the second component of it, though, uh, Ben, is it's not just that, but it's also the fact that there were these programs were illegal. Mm -hmm. And so he felt a responsibility since there were there was laws were being broken. He felt a responsibility that the Congress should know about that and that that should be changed and that that shouldn't continue to happen just just for purely legal reasons. So I think it was both of those things that have been motivating him.
0: In terms of his like personality, because obviously you've spoken to him quite a bit now. Does that line up? Like, is he is he like this kind of righteous, nice person that kind of a good person, you know, in a really basic way of saying it, um, is, is that, yeah, does that line up in terms of him saying, cause I think he said in the interview with Ross that he's a, you know, call me a boy scout or whatever, something to that effect. Um, and so yeah, is he, is he that kind of person in reality? Yeah.
1: I mean, he's, he certainly seemed that way to me. I mean, absolutely. Like very genuinely concerned for the right mm. reasons. Um, Doing this for the—I mean, all the reasons that he said—I never, I never heard or saw anything from him that would suggest any other kind of motivation. Yeah. Um. He was—he's very, very smart and full of energy. You know, he's a young guy. He's only thirty-six, uh, and just very energized by this, and really yeah. wanting to come out and change things. I mean, he—he's—he's he's a potential catalyst to really, really change. The whole process that we're involved in and really taking it up a notch, right? Yeah. And um, I never, you know, he was just devoted to that goal and also, you know, to addressing the wrongs that were done against him, Mm. which is why he filed the complaint with the ICIG, the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community, and um, also to address the illegalities of the programs. So, sort of, all of those things combined. Um, and I, I just never felt he's very genuine, very sincere, very credible. Um, I never had any doubts about him on that level at all.
0: Yeah. Okay. And, and I'm going to ask probably a few questions that maybe seem obvious, but I just want to, you know, like get it out there and, and put it on the table for everybody. Some people are going to be less aware of the story. Some people are going to be more up to date, but how certain are you that he held the positions that that it's, you know, that he held and, and how certainly that he had the clearance levels that he says he, he did.
1: Well, I'm 100% certain, Ben, because I've seen documentation of it. And also because it's in his complaint to the inspector general, all of that information. And he was under oath when he spoke to the inspector general. He's not, he's not up there lying under oath, you know, about what his background yeah. is. I've also seen performance reviews, like I said. I've spoken to other people too, who know him, who worked with him. So it's absolutely verified. I mean, there's never been any and no one is if he were not telling the truth, somebody would have come forward by now and said that said so. So there's absolutely no doubt. And I had no doubt in my mind at all in writing the story, and neither did Ralph, that there was any question about his credentials or where he worked and all of that. It was very well documented for us and confirmed by people we talked to. So. Yeah, yeah, and it was a very, very impressive resume, high level positions in both the National Reconnaissance Organization and the National Geospatial Intelligence Organization, the mm-hmm. N- or agency, the NGA and the NRO, we can call them from now on. I mean, he was at very high levels of clearances in both those organizations and had a, a responsibilities for with the UAP issue, but he had a lot of other responsibilities as well. So, um, you know. He's probably, I mean, it's just, that's really what carries the story so much is the level of credential that he has and yeah. also the fact that he was retaliated against, also the fact that he was retaliated against and the fact that he has spoken to Congress for so many hours. I mean, all of these things, there's never been anybody like this who's been through the process he's been, who's come mm-hmm. forward about something this explosive before. I mean, it's really a game changer. It has to go further because he doesn't have proof of what he's stating. he he's, And, and, you know, he has of course provided a lot of classified information to Congress, which I believe includes some documents and things, but I don't know. I don't think he has provided hardcore proof of, you know, like he hasn't seen these things himself, right. He hasn't taken yeah. pictures of them. He hasn't touched them. He hasn't, he's just spoken to other people who have, that are extremely reliable and are deeply involved. So, he I see this as him opening a door to something that needs to be investigated by Congress. It needs to be moved forward through other people coming forward and through more information being brought forward. And, you know, he's just sort of opened that door for for it to develop because it's very people have to be clear that he does he can't offer proof of this. Mm. But He's offered very credible hours and hours and hours of very important information and credible testimony. So I I don't know what it is because it's classified, but I'm sure it's gives Congress a lot to to work, you know, to uh, try to investigate and just they need to get to the bottom of it. But they can they also can combine his information with information they've gotten from others, which may be even more specific than his. We don't know Mm. because it's all classified, but he's not the only one that has provided testimony like this to Congress.
0: Yeah before we kind of hopefully we're going to circle back to talk a little bit more about that kind of thing but um again just another one of these questions that probably we know the answer to or at least you know I like to th- you you're, you're going to tell me it's you're, you're confident in it but I just want to put it out there you know just to because I've heard people saying oh this and all that you know so how confident are you that he hasn't been used or implicated in some kind of misinformation campaign or has been lied to or you know these kind of things is is there a chance that he has heard something and and kind of put two and two together and made five or four and a half and that kind of thing you see what i'm getting at
1: yeah no i do where I mean, do you I th- stand on that i think it's really unlikely because he spoke to so many people i mean it doesn't mean that maybe some people told him things that were, were not accurate or were disinformation maybe some people went mm-hmm. in there and tried to manipulate him i suspect he would have seen through that because he's so smart and he's been you know he's so well connected within the intelligence world so the reason I don't think that's true is because of the numbers of people he spoke to, the high level of connections that he has, he's he's really sophisticated in terms of his ability to discern things. And he was at the UAP task force for years, very well informed about the, the issue of UAP in general, You know, had worked for both agencies as their representative to the task force. So given the kind of associations he had and the numbers of people that he spoke to, it would be hard for me to imagine that all of them could have concocted some kind of a a plan to deceive him and the other the other point to make is that some of these people who did speak to him and who even came out of the programs directly are people he's known for years people he he knew way before he ever even got involved with the UAP issue so you know they're their comrades of his uh their yeah. colleagues or friends there's no there's it's just hard to imagine that suddenly they'd all decide to do something like that, right? And it would take mm. a lot of them and they'd have to coordinate it. And yeah. and what he's saying, you know, what he has told us, it's not something that hasn't been said before. Yeah. Right. Over the decades. It's just that nobody at the level of his, at his level has said it in a way that in the same way that he said it so officially mm. by approaching the official world. And I also want to share that I, I've spoken to people over the years who have told me the same things, not the specifics of it, but just the fact that these crashes exist, these retrievals exist. Um, so, you know, that simple fact, I mean, I think is already is kind of already been determined to be true, just for me personally, because of other people that I've spoken to even before I met him. yeah. So it's really for all those reasons. I, I'd have to say the chances that this is some kind of all of it is some kind of disinformation campaign is really hard for me to now that the, now that really believe. And I'm talking again about the information that Ralph and I reported on the debrief. I can't comment on anything he said after you know in his interview with Ross Coulthart or in, in any other context because that was not information provided to me or to Ralph, and it was not something we reported on or investigated. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just so that I make that distinction, I'm talking about what he's, what, what's in our article. And all of the things he told us in our article were approved by the Department of Defense, which he mentioned. And let me just clarify for people, what that means is that they basically review it to make sure there's nothing classified that he's saying or nothing that would, would um, be a danger to national security that they don't want him to say for, that, for those reasons. They're not saying they endorse what he's saying. They're just, all they have, all their job is to look for violations of, of, of security basically, and of class of, of the rules of classific classification and to make sure there's nothing classified that's being said. And so that's what they ruled on. Um, And I think, you know, that made us very secure in quoting him because everything we quoted from him in the story was from that document. Drew by the DOD. So we knew there was nothing that was crossing a line or that he had to worry about later or that would come back to haunt us later. You know, if he said something that he wasn't quite sure about, but maybe he would say it, just take a chance. None of that was happening in our story. So it was very, um, very safe for him and very clear that, you know, everything was everything was above board that he was saying. And and uh, so we were very, we were happy about that. It was very, made us very comfortable as reporters to bring that out, bring it out in that way.
0: Yeah. definitely and do you think that the the reason that you know like uh, the DOD give him that kind of clearance or that approval to speak on these things is because the the people or the departments giving that approval are not the same departments that hold these secrets they're not the same but they're probably not even aware of you know these these SAPs or these programs where these things are going on do you think that's got something to do it because it does feel hard to to deal with right if if they knew about it and they wanted to keep it secret why would they then give him permission to talk about it and I think that's maybe some people have tried to catch this out in that sense but would you say that it's yeah that it's just different areas compartmentalized and so for them it's why would we stop him saying that um he might think it's true it might be true we don't even know is that the yeah kind of I mean
1: thing? I think you're probably right that the actual person reviewing it probably also because they they were the decisions were made very quickly so I don't think mm. probably those people know about these programs whether they sent them up to the chain of command to somehow get that checked out I have no way of knowing yeah but um I think um yeah and again all there's all they're supposed to look for is whether the information is classified or not so yeah. Uh, I, uh yeah I was trying to think i was going to say something else and i lost my train of thought but um so you know they're not allowed i mean if they want him to keep if they don't want him to come out and say these things they're not allowed to stop him if what he's saying is not classified information yeah right i mean and that's maybe what they were trying to do or they whoever the they is you know previously by um by all the events the, the harm that was done to him by elements that were trying to stop him from speaking out but by the time he he went to the DOD pre-publication review process, which is a standard thing for our story, Uh, he, you know, that had been, that was all in the past. So, um, yeah, I just don't think, you know, and I don't know what the person reviewing it must have thought. I mean, they may have thought, this sounds absolutely ridiculous to me. Yeah. I mean, he can make a fool of himself if he wants. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. know. Yeah. But um, legally, they could not prevent him. And they just made a judgment. You know, and legally they can't they can't stop him from doing it, whatever their their opinions might be, or, you know, unless it's classified, unless it's restricted by through security mm. oaths that he's taken and none of it was. So but still, we were surprised. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, we we thought one thing they could have done is just sat on that thing for a long time mm. and not returned it.
2: Yeah. And that would have held up our story.
1: We couldn't report our story until we had him approved for those for the what he wanted to say on the record because that's what the story hinged on so if the pre-publication review office had just sat on that stuff for a few weeks we would have been waiting weeks and weeks and weeks that was one you know i think you know but they didn't it was very fast the second the second prepub review he did which was the one that had all the good stuff in it that we quoted was literally like overnight we were mm-hmm. shocked um so i don't think you know. I think that there's just nothing anybody could really do to stop the story from coming out. I think if they, all they maybe could have done is delayed it. They couldn't have stopped it. Yeah. So I'm just grateful that they didn't delay it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you just quickly recap his, cause we, we did talk about it. His clearance his security clearance. I've heard a few different, places saying kind of like you know trying to give an idea of how high that clearance was some people say oh yeah, it's like pretty much as high as you can get some people say oh it's higher than the president and then some people i've heard say oh you know it was it's not as high as people have been saying it's taken out of context or whatever so again can you kind of try and put that to uh, you know Set the, set the record straight there and, and say how yeah. high, as far as you're aware, his yeah. level of clearance was. I
1: mean, I'm not an expert on all the different subtle levels of clearances. Yeah. I, if you had known you were going to ask that, I would have looked it up ahead of time, but <laughs> definitely he had top secret, secret compartmental information. So it's TSSCI clearance, which is very high level. Because that gives you access to special access programs and those kinds of things. There mm-hmm. may have been a time where it went even higher. If there are certain gradations of that, because I, I I remember him saying there were certain times when his clearances were very very high. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I've I've never asked him really about the details of what the clearances were and what that meant at various stages. I just know that TSSCI is a high level, um, mm-hmm. and that's when you have that level of clearance. If you have a need to know, and if you're read into the programs in which uh, you can you know, learn the information related to whatever it is you're doing, like UAP, then he's going to have access to those programs. Once you get at that level, it's all about having a need to know. It's not like yeah. anybody at, at SCI level can get access to any SCI information that's out there. It has to be related to what they're working on and to their own need to know. So it's a very that's where the compartmentalization comes in, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all compartmentalized. You get access to it if you have a need to have access to it, depending yeah. on what your job is. And the other people with the same level of clearance aren't going to get access to what you might get access to, and you're not going to get access to what they might have access to. But at least they're all on the same level in that you know you can get it if you need it. That's sort of how it works, but you know, and whether they're, and I don't, I just don't know enough about the gradations of it to be able to comment on that. Sorry about
0: that. No, no, that's all good. I guess he didn't, or or, do you think there's he, did he have the level required to be read into those programs when he was trying to get access to them? Yeah. I mean, I think that's one reason
1: he got, I mean, he was able to speak to people literally from the programs who were inside the programs, the people who do know firsthand. And the only reason they could share information with him was because they were at the same, they had the same clearance level. And he was working on a topic that they, you know, they, he had a need to know what they had to share with him because that's what he's working on for the task force. I mean, he was part of the UAP task force, which is a Department of Defense government agency looking into this. So he was basically doing his job there and therefore, you know, the doors were open to him to get access Mm -hmm. to this.
0: Yeah. So he spoke to these people in these programs and said, Hey, what's going on? Like, uh, you need to tell me. And then they basically said, no, hung up the phone and, and what then started this process of kind of retaliation, harassment, that kind of thing. So, well, it was more
1: of the retaliation. That wasn't, I mean, basically when he called people in the program. That was after he went public. Yeah. I think, um, a lot of them came to him, actually. Um, some of them, when they figured out what he was doing, they came to him to tell him about the wrongdoing that they were concerned about, uh. And others, he reached out to himself. But the the retaliation really came um, once he realized that there was illegality, there was an illegal program here that should have had congressional oversight. That was his big concern. He went and and filed a complaint with the um, inspector general of the DOD. This is not the same one that the second complaint was filed with. It was the Department Mm -hmm. of Defense inspector general. And it was all about the illegalities of these programs that they needed to, they they were, and he was able to spell out the laws, which I don't, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not an expert on those laws, but the laws that, that made it illegal for them to be uh, hiding this away in programs that were supposed to have congressional oversight, but were, but were avoiding it when they were withholding information from Congress basically. And that was illegal. So after he made that filing which was a few years before you know the second filing which was with the intelligence community inspector general that's when the retaliation started somehow his name leaked uh and it, what he was doing leaked somehow he's he's always said he's not accusing anybody from the IG's office of being a leaker but somehow the information got out and that's when things bad things started to happen to him that was before he um made any statements about crash retrieval. And he may have made some statements about it earlier on, because that's what the programs were dealing with, but his focus was really on reporting to them that there were illegal activities going on here. And, you know, yeah, as as much as it was about what the illegal activities were about, that they were about concealing information about these crash retrievals.
0: Yeah. Do you know what kind of retaliation that he had to deal with? Like, I think, I think Ross said something like that. He had his house broken into was was there, do you know, many other details? I do actually, because
1: he has shown me documents that document it, but unfortunately he doesn't, I'm not, I don't have permission to share it because he says there's an ongoing investigation right now into Mm. all of it and it would jeopardize that investigation. So we weren't allowed to report on that in our story either. And I can't I can't do it now. I expect I expect someday once this is more resolved that we'll all learn more about that. Yeah. But I I, I just I'm not gonna take any kind of chance to jeopardize anything for him right now. But it it was not it was not good, good stuff, you know. It was pretty seriously disturbing stuff that, yeah. that would frighten anybody. And not just not just about fear, but inconvenience, loss of income, you know, all kinds of things that were just made his life really difficult for yeah. a year at least. Um yeah, and that was a struggle and it was after that that he went to the intelligence committee inspector general and that's sort of what t- takes us forward to where we are now. That was in May of yeah. 2022 when he filed the complaint with the IC. Yeah. So, yeah, and then when and oh. then after that he went to Congress.
0: Yeah. I won't ask you to kind of yeah give me anything else in terms of like the stuff he had to put up with but I suppose we can all use our imaginations in that like people are high up in the, in those areas in government they can probably pull strings and have access to his finances they can probably make threats to him and his family and things like that and I expect probably more yeah so I can I can imagine that was pretty hard do you know how many people he spoke to that worked in the retrieval programs, like either that he reached out to or that reached out to him. Are you aware of a number?
1: No, I'm not. And again, I think it's because he's, that's just too specific, you know, he's just not, it would, I mean, that's a good question because it doesn't seem that, well, I can't say that, but I think it's, it's, I'm sure that Congress has that information. I mean, he spelled out everything for them. Every person he spoke to, it's all spelled out so they can count, you know, but it's not something he's ever been able to say publicly or has said publicly.
0: Have yeah. you ever kind of got the impression, oh, he's talking about, you know, he hasn't told me a number, but he said several, or he keeps saying multiple, or he's, have you got like an impression that it's like, you know, a rough amount of like, is it five or more? Is it potentially probably less? Or do you have any idea at all or nothing you uh, want to say?
1: I mean, I'm sure it's more than five. I'm sure mm-hmm. it's more than that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think it's yeah. a real handful of, you know, a number of people. And, yeah. um, I think it's also documentation that he gathered, not just. Testimonies from people, but he's—I can't say—but I—I it, it, I really get the impression it's quite a number.
0: Yeah, you know? that's to yeah. quote to quote David Grush himself, quite a number. Exactly, uh, <laughs> quite a
1: number. Yeah, I mean, he's just—you know—if he could say more, he would
0: yeah yeah no i I understand and same same with you i'm sure um i wonder if there's overlap with the people that he's spoken to on on those programs and whether you've spoken to any of them as well and you might not even know it how many kind of i guess let's call them potential whistleblowers have you spoken to or or have you spoken with that corroborate david's claims
1: oh gosh over the i mean because it's been as i said over the years
0: you know um
1: and there are people I mean, again, are you asking firsthand with firsthand knowledge? I mean, there, you know, I don't know how many there there are with firsthand knowledge because they could never say that to me. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: There are people who seem to have firsthand knowledge, and I think they do. But there are others who just, again, like Dave, have talked to so many people with firsthand knowledge at their level of security clearance, which, again, is the same clearance that he has, that they know it's true. And they've talked to me, you know, it's that kind of thing. Um, and I think some of them, the people I've talked to probably do have first hand knowledge, but they, they just can't say it directly. You just have to kind of get a sense of it from what they're saying. And they're very careful and they have to be careful about revealing too much and, you know, getting themselves in trouble. And I mean, I've had many off the record conversations, so they don't have to worry about getting themselves in trouble with me because I'm, if it's off the record and it's never going to go anywhere and they know that. So, um. I mean, there's, there, you know, I i can't say how many, but there's a number, let's say maybe three or four that have been kind of regular people I've communicated with over the years. Yeah. Um, and there are others that I maybe have, there's a couple of others that I've gotten to know while working on the Grush story a little bit, too. So, yeah, they're out there. And then I know other people who talk to other ones that I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's really a lot of people out there that know. Yeah. And I just want people to know that George, Gr- uh, Dave Grush is just one person. But what he's saying is known to many other people. It's mm-hmm. He's not the only one and, um, and and they are in the process of some of them are in the process of coming forward and talking to Congress and hopefully more of them will over time. But it's really important for people to know that. I think
0: I agree definitely um are you aware of are you or are you in touch with i should say are you in touch with any of the active you know people that are actively in these programs now um or again is it just that you suspect maybe this person might be rather than they haven't said it specifically um so yeah are you in touch with any of them that are uh, active duty now and also how likely do you think it is that we're going to get people that are working in these programs now doing what david has done following in his footsteps
1: Yeah, I mean, I do. I do have. There's one person who's active now that I talk to. Um, Most of the people I talk to are, they might be working in a in a company. Let's say an aerospace company or a corporation or a high, you know, a technological uh, company of some sort. Uh, So they're not, which might be contracted to the government. So they may not be. Actually, government employees. But I wouldn't say they're retired; they're just not directly involved with government anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but they have been involved for decades. You know, people like that. Um, and then there's that's who that's how I'd place most of them. Um, former, you know, former people in government or in the military, but who now are employed in various ways. Yeah. One of them, one of the people I talked to is actually inside active. Um, and mean, whether any of the program, I mean, I don't think the problem is when you're still in the program, it's really risky to come out with your name. Um, mm. And I'm assuming that Congress has heard from some of the people in the program. but yeah. uh, Their names are being withheld. They, they're not like Dave where they could they they can just come forward because Dave's an independent citizen now. They're not. So they have all kinds of restrictions, even with the whistleblower. Uh, you know protections in in effect i you know i mean i don't know i i suppose they they're using those protections to come forward to the extent that they are but they uh, it's much riskier and much more sensitive for somebody involved to to speak out than it is for these other people so yeah. uh, that's you know that's the situation and i i I'm, i mean they can talk to congress they are protected but they they just carry there's a lot more risk for them Because the people in the program are not going to want them to reveal a lot. And so it's just a very dangerous situation for, for people who are still inside.
0: It's wild, really, to think about it, to think that these people in these programs might actually be talking to Congress now and and might be thinking about how they can come public, potentially. Do you think anybody that's in a program now or, say, has worked in one of these programs in the last year or two, uh, do you you think there's people like that that are going to go public? Uh, like david because um, i think i've heard ross and other people allude to that that like oh yeah i'm in touch with somebody that's going to come out soon and that kind of thing that's actively in a program i think it was ross that said that um you do you expect that we will hear from somebody that's going to say i i was working in this program up until last month and it's just i gonna- mean it's
1: it's a possibility it partly depends on i think what congress wants them to do whether congress wants to hold a hearing in which they're going to reveal their names. It depends on what the actual person wants to do, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I mean, I certainly think over time that more and more people will come forward with their names. I don't know when. I don't know really if they some of them may not feel a need to. They're not looking to be public. They're looking to inform the Congress. And they're looking for congress to take a proper investigation and to get to the bottom of this and then inform the public you know so there's an investigation that has to happen first so i just think every case is unique um and i don't think it's necessarily a priority for everybody to be public it's much more about just providing congress with the information and getting to the bottom of it um yeah but I, i also suspect that over time probably more will come forward with their names you know Um, It just seems like it's sort of the natural evolution of how these things happen. You get one person and then someone else, and then maybe you have a hearing with one person. And then, so you know, it's like everybody gives courage to everybody else. Yeah. So I suspect that's going to happen here, but I just don't know how long it's going to take.
0: How important is it that David helped to write some of the whistleblower protection language and things like that because that feels like a kind of a big deal you know like he almost maybe knew when he was writing that like oh i'm you know i'm going to write in a few little loopholes so i can make this work for myself um obviously i'm just speculating but that's probably what i would have done if i was able to be involved in that process and i knew in the back of my mind somewhere that maybe in the future i'd like to try and come out and tell what i know so how important do you think that is that he had a hand in that
1: well i mean i don't think it was so much for him because he had already Come out. Mm. He'd already right. filed his complaints. He was talking and everything. to
0: Congress already and stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: but it, but it, what it shows is that he's extremely highly educated. Enough to you have to understand all about the complexities of the law. You know, to be able to suggest language for a, a, a legis- piece of legislation, you have to be extremely well informed. Mm-hmm. So I think to me it shows that. It also shows the trust that the legislators had in him, to allow him to make that contribution it shows the stature that he had within his agencies too i mean he was still working in the government until april so while he was working at let's say the nga he was contributing language to the legislation and that's that just shows so much about him and who he is that uh his agencies would support that that they would uh you know his superiors knew he was doing everything he was doing and it, it's it was actually written in some of the performance reviews that we saw is that he's been briefing Congress, that he's been working with Congress. So it just shows a level of competence, right, and insight and knowledge that he had to be able to do that. Yeah. Not everybody can do that. Um, yeah. And again, the level of knowledge you have to have to understand what needs to go into a piece of legislation about protecting whistleblowers is way more complicated than you might think.
0: hmm. So
1: just adds to uh, the
0: stature of the whole thing. That's how I see it.
1: It just adds to the, the, the seriousness of, of the knowledge that he had and the competence that he had and the insights that he had, you know, he's just a, an outstanding uh, person on this topic can you
0: what else can you say you know yeah yeah i know i mean like a year ago i would have never thought that we'd be in this position now talking about somebody that held his positions and clearances now saying the things he's saying in a public setting and going through the proper channels saying it's to government too yeah um, i agree
2: with you
1: it's, it's remarkable it's
0: remarkable are you are you leslie kane now convinced that we have and when i say we like less humanity the u.s whatever the u.s government like we can kind of do whatever we want with we, but are you okay. convinced that we have recovered non-human craft and bodies?
1: Um, I'm, I can't comment on bodies. Cause again, that Look, wasn't, I, I mean, yeah. your gut
0: feeling like, are you, in your personal opinion, I'm not asking you to, mean, in terms of like Dave's claims, but for you, do you, has he convinced you with what he said?
1: Well, I was, I have to say I was already convinced before I ever met him. But he's just taken it up to a new level of being convinced. But as I said, I've been talking to other people about this for quite a while. So about crash retrievals, you know, I don't I don't really know the body's things is much harder to, I think, to pin down. And there's so much mythology about it, you know, that it's just I don't know. I found it harder to be 100 percent certain about it. Mm -hmm. But um and it's not so much what I focused on talking to people about who I've talked to over the years, but I would say, I am i mean, I have no reason to disbelieve uh, very credible people who I know and trust and have known and trusted for years, you know, and I have no reason to disbelieve Dave Grush either. So I sort of have to accept it, right? I mean, what are you going to do? Say they're all lying? I don't believe that. Yeah. So I certainly would like to see more, as all of us would. We'd like to see more specific information. But um, I would, you know, say that I believe it at this point. And, you know, but it's really, again, as a reporter, it's not really about what what the person but the person what the individual reporter believes i mean i i try to
0: i know it's like know. me asking a scientist what they for their gut feeling you know they're going to yeah. tell me like oh the science doesn't say this i always have to like clarify that i like to get opinions sometimes you know i know yeah. i know that's not your journalistic you
2: it's know with your journalistic job, really. hat
0: saying that like you wouldn't go and report that now for 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 anybody really saying that you there there are bodies but but you yeah. on, a, on a personal I mean, I'm, level.
1: I'm convinced by the reporting and the knowledge that I have, you know, it's not, but I, i again, I don't think my opinion is what's important. It's really what's important is what what facts we can get out there as we did in this first story and hope to continue mm. to do that will be, uh you know, hopefully we'll eventually establish this even in an even more solid way than it was established in this article, because, you know, again, there was no proof offered. And I think people who want to you know, make that a point are, are fair to do that. It's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But people do have to remember that, you know, hours and hours of information was provided to Congress. That's not in our story. So we have to always remember that the bulk of all of this is classified. Yeah. Um, so when we say we don't have proof, well, we don't know to what extent, what Congress has. And not yeah, just from Grush, but from others, you know, do they have proof? We don't know, but they need to go find it if they don't
2: yeah, and they, yeah, mean, they definitely. probably
1: don't. They have to find it and try to put their hands and you know, eyes on this thing. Um, mm. and that's sort of, it's up to them now to do that. You know, all we can do is just put out whatever information we can gather and then put it out there.
0: So yeah, yeah, yeah. they have to be the one to break down the doors and stuff. Exactly. Um, Good
1: luck to them. It's not going to be easy.
0: I care about your opinion though, Leslie, and, and it's not just because you've spoken to David for like 10 hours, you know, so you, your opinion still counts for something, even if not in the grand scheme of, you know, like when we step back and look at the massive picture. Um, but in terms of our conversation, yeah, definitely. Um, how many craft, cause Grush said, what well, quite a number when about and asked about how many craft. So when you kind of look at your, all the various sources that you've spoken to about craft and and things like that do you have a number maybe in your head that you speculate based on x y and z i think it's around about this number of craft that that we've recovered um yeah what are your thoughts on that i
1: really don't have a number i mean it's just relying on what other people say it's it's like you said quite a number i have always thought that too it's not a low number um but i don't know how many
0: what do you think David's getting at when he says "quite a number"? With like ten, something like that, ten, fifteen. I mean,
1: your guess is as good as mine, right? Just to interpret yeah. what he's saying. I mean, quite a number. It means like sounds to me like he's saying, "Well, there's there's a lot more than you might think."
0: But maybe you have more context because maybe one day when you were just chatting, you said, "How many coffees have you had today, Dave?" And he said, "Oh, quite a number." And so we know he hasn't had fifty coffees. <laughs> no, it's true. No, I've, it's never that
1: <laughs> phrase has not come up. So yeah. Okay. I, I don't know any more about that than anybody else has listened to what he has to say. Unfortunately, yeah. I, w- I wish I did, but I don't.
0: What about any other sources that you kind of find credible and, and have respect for? Has anybody ever given you a number?
1: Not an exact number. No. I mean, I've, you know, maybe gone over, I mean, there might be four or five or six that I'm kind of aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, it's never it's all nebulous ben because it's not it's all classified so yeah you just never really know yeah right i mean it's a matter of if everybody a lot of people tell you the same thing yeah this one's real this document's real okay but Mm -hmm. it never goes far enough yeah so i hope that's going to change I know it's frustrating it's frustrating
0: even if it just dribbles out hopefully it's going to continue to come out although I if it's if this was anything to go by it's not going to dribble because this kind of just came just hit hit yeah just out it fell out of the sky for us like obviously for you it was a different process um so according to David Grush again not in your article but in his interview with Ross he said that we have bodies um how many other people have you spoken to that back that up and again i'm not looking for a number necessarily for now of how many bodies but how many people that that you've spoken to at least seem to imply that 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 is on the money
1: i don't know i mean maybe hints a couple of people hints really Mm -hmm. uh not yeah not very specific
0: i guess Um, you have no knowledge of whether we've ever recovered any alive
1: i mean i've heard stories I, I've never had, I mean, and I've even had people maybe tell me that we have, but again, I have no way of knowing for sure. No, I, There's no documentation. There's nothing that I can prove. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've heard that, you know, yeah. uh, and I may have spoken to some people who have implied that or said that, um, but you know, it's just, it comes up over the years it just comes up and then it's on to something else because you can't really do anything with that Mm. um so even if five people told me the same thing it wouldn't be anything i could it's not enough specifics that i could ever you know do anything with it really if you understand what i'm saying um so Yeah, so I think it's better also to start with the actual ideas, you know, work with the concept of a physical object, it's much less shocking, it's easier for people to grasp, Mm. and it's more concrete. I mean, we just seem to have more information about the retrievals than we do about the biological side of it,
0: Mm.
1: as far as I can tell. So I think it's enough to just focus on that right now. Um, Yeah. We'll see where it all goes.
0: I would expect that there's more craft than even if there are bodies i would suspect not every craft has bodies in it you know i'm assuming whatever well, maybe intelligence not, this though. is has yeah. drones or something like that in right. their arsenal as well um so yeah anyway there I agree could be that plenty
1: of lots of unmanned craft there could be easily
0: yeah i mean yeah, so yeah.
1: i assume that if, some are and some aren't
0: if anything like it's kind of it feels like a bit of a shock that some of them were manned right like because what david says again if we kind of believe what he said with ross he is strongly implying or saying without saying that we have recovered at least a body that's not human and that's wild <laughs> yeah i wild, mean it's something
1: it? i never spoke to him about so i just can't yeah. comment on it
0: no no um are you aware of what evidence that congress have seen like what what he's shown them
1: no because it's all classified unfortunately yeah. Wouldn't I like to know, though? <laughs> <laughs>
0: you don't know if he's shown them any pictures or anything? I'm sure he hasn't I think I've heard a reference pictures, but...
1: to, he might have seen some pictures, whether Congress yeah. has them or not. I don't know, because again, they're never going to tell us what they have. Um, so, so, I just don't know. I know you have all these great questions that I can't answer. No, I'm no, in the I, same boat I... as everybody. If it's classified, I don't know anything more than anyone else you know
0: yeah no i understand and and if you do know more than anybody else you can't say it because then david's not going to tell you anything in future and is anybody <laughs> well, else I be careful. And, and i understand that and i think everybody yeah. else does too so i understand you're limited with what you can say yeah um let's say that everything david said is 100 percent accurate it's all true we're, we're not alone there's a non-human intelligence interacting with us and our environment and our planet here we have recovered craft made by a non-human intelligence and piloted by a non-human intelligence and we have the bodies dead or alive it doesn't really matter the point is i want to ask you what hypothesis first of all in your again gut feeling speculation not your journalist hat what hypothesis best fits the facts for these craft and bodies um in terms of interplanetary interdimensional um you know future human or other Um, and, and second question on that is what does this mean for humanity? How does this change the world?
1: Yeah. I mean, in terms of a theory, I just, I feel like all of them are possibilities or some combination thereof, or some Mm. dimension that incorporates all of those elements, I mean, I really feel like the more we've learned about the phenomenon itself, the harder it is to pigeonhole it into any one explanation. Mm. which is just so shocking. And it's, you know, to say, I mean, all of them, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's possible that all of these uh, sightings and craft are simple travelers from some other solar system or other, some other galaxy coming to visit our planet. And they're just beings flying some kind of ship that crashes because the ship has, whatever they are, has so many um, complicated and Uh, you know, paranormal, for lack of a better word, components to it. And the way the observations that are made just seem to be something that has uh, technology that's so advanced that it's even affects consciousness, that somehow it's linked to consciousness, you know, for the, for the poor, who's ever technology it is. I mean, it's, it's just so beyond our comprehension that I just, I don't, I know you can't pigeonhole it that simply when, you know, when I started first reporting on this, 23 years ago that's how everybody thought of it and, and most people But yeah. give jacques Vallée an exception and some others who were way ahead of their time but you know the militaries in the countries around the world that i was reporting on all the, the extraterrestrial hypothesis yeah they're visitors mm-hmm. from somewhere else so it has evolved over over time to, for i think there's an understanding now that it's something way more complicated than that and way more sophisticated and i don't know maybe interdimensional is the closest thing because that sort of encapsulates all of it yeah i mean if they're time travelers they're also traveling through different dimensions if they're you know maybe there's connections to possibly some kind of afterlife realm, afterlife realm which could be in another dimension i mean i i don't claim to have any special knowledge at all ben about what the phenomenon actually is or, or i just think there are so many interesting possibilities and people are thinking a lot about it and writing interesting papers and having discussions and but nobody's been able to nail it and if they say they have they probably don't know what they're talking about because we we just don't know now there are the close encounter witnesses of course who have had these a level of, of connection to this phenomenon that i've never had um and they have their own perspective which comes through their own direct experience, which also sheds a lot of light on the nature of the phenomenon, especially when you put all the reports together and try to discern certain characteristics that apply frequently. Um, You know, I think that's a pool of data that needs to be uh, drawn on a lot more by the scientific Mm -hmm. community. It's very hard for the scientific community to take those reports seriously. And there isn't a lot of evidence of hard evidence. It's just mainly people talking about their experiences. So, you know, it's, but i think when that becomes integrated into the discussion a bit more we're going to learn more about the mm-hmm. nature of the phenomenon but it's just one big mystery it really is uh i wish i could i wish i understood it better but and there are you know pe- people who have been thinking about that connection a lot more longer than i have i mean i'm just sort yeah. of this reporter out there trying to report okay there's a program within the dod that studies uap like that's a big story right but that's not I'm not focusing all this and that's, it's important to get that out. I mean, look what happened in 2017 when we got that story out, but it's not like I'm spending all my energy trying to contemplate what the nature of the phenomenon is because I'm focusing my energy on trying to get these stories out that kind of move the ball forward. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I'm not one of the best people to ask the question of, I mean, there's others who think. I think it it was
0: a good answer though.
1: Yeah. But there are people who write and think about these things a lot. and uh would have more to contribute i think to a discussion about it than i can
0: but like you said maybe contributing more is not necessarily you know the best way to go because maybe they're going to be contributing things that, that we can't be certain of and we can't be sure of and you know again it is so mysterious and so nuanced and confusing and contradictory and the tricks, is. their element is everywhere. So,
1: but yeah, I think the I, people I'm talking about have know all of that. They're aware of mm. that, and they still contemplate it and write about it and think about it and put a lot of energy into that. You know, yeah. more than I do. And they're they're really really brilliant people. And you know, maybe yeah. after the show, I can tell you some of their names. You can try to get them on because um, they they're they're really at the forefront of addressing this that kind of question. And it's that but it's not brilliant. like they think they have the answer at all. Yeah. They just have more data, more stories to tell about it, more, you know, information to draw from to try to address mm-hmm. it than I do. That's really it. They've just spent more of their energy there thinking about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so uh, maybe someday we'll know. We may never know really what yeah, the that's... actual <laughs> nature of this intelligence is. I mean, now the term they're using a lot within the uh, military is, and I know Dave, David Gresh uses this term, uh, non-human intelligence, NHI yeah um so you know i'm glad we're not using the word alien anymore i've never liked that one but it's some kind of intelligence and you know so hard for us to comprehend
0: we it's just a scary don't thought answers. that we might never get the you know we might know. never find out that is a kind of a yeah it's a possibility idea, but it's definitely a possibility yeah yeah we're kind of at their mercy i guess in a lot of ways i think it'll um, be up
1: to the phenomenon itself how much we get to understand about it they're in control yeah. basically not us yeah so
0: yeah i agree yeah um so yeah so again just to go back to that so dave everything you said is is true which is for, for now for this question right so everything is true without a doubt 100 um how does that change yeah humanity how does that impact the world i mean
1: and you know i can't say a hundred percent in a nutshell (laughs) that it's all true i mean that everything he said i mean again we need proof right
0: that's what i mean it's a thought exercise for this for this question just uh we, we won't worry about the proof we'll just imagine we've already proved it um how does that impact the world you know how does let's say we do get concrete proof tomorrow and you put it out there um How does the world change the next day? And again, I know that's like a week long conversation at minimum, but in like a three minute answer, what would you say?
1: I mean, I think that's another point that's that gets debated a lot. Some people, you know, there's so many different ways it could go in the immediate aftermath. Some people feel, and these are really deep thinkers who were really involved, you know, some people feel that it could be a catastrophe that Mm -hmm. you know our our structures of society could collapse, so we have a economic crash that You know, everybody's freaking out. People are terrified. They think they think we're going to be invaded, you know, and all panic in the streets. I mean, that's one extreme possibility is that people just can't handle it Uh, and that we have a kind of upheaval that would be really disruptive. Um, It could also impact religion in all kinds of ways that we can't comprehend, although I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, it depends on that, too. There are people that religious scholars that feel it will have no impact, and there are religious scholars that feel it will have an impact. So, again, everybody sort of has different perspectives on it. And then there's also the perspective that maybe, which is people like Avi Loeb have voiced and others, that maybe it could unify the planet. I mean, Ronald Mm. Reagan first mentioned that in his famous statement about it. Um, Do you think it could? I I don't know. I mean… I, I would like to think it could, I would like to believe that, you know, I like to be mm-hmm. an idealist to think if we maybe we could see ourselves as a planetary civilization and have less hostilities and sort of bond, to, you know, bind together because we have this other that we have to deal with, that all of us should be united in dealing and trying to understand this other. And yeah. hopefully it's not going to if there's not going to be conflict with the other because that we don't have a chance there. So you know whether it could unify the world and the United Nations could take some kind of role in kind of shepherding us into a new vision of our of who we are in that level, I just don't know. I mean, are the political divisions so strong that that just isn't going to happen is it I mean, could it increase competition even more?
2: Mm.
1: I mean, it's just I just can see it possibly going so many different ways and I don't i I would love to feel that it could unify us but yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe once it becomes clear knowledge that there is this technology, our adversaries who might possess some of it just the same way we do might hunker down even more and maybe everybody will be in a race to try to see who actually implements it first. Now that we know it exists, you know, I just don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean, no, I know. yeah, you it's can like go all over ways. the place <laughs> thinking
1: about it. Um, yeah. And I don't know, I've heard the arguments from all these different perspectives, Ben. I've heard so many and I've discussed them with people and I've never really landed feeling like, well, what do I think? Mm. It's funny, I haven't really landed with this any one particular place. I can see it happening in a lot of different ways. I don't tend to think that there'll be panic though. I, I think enough people, a large percent of our population, at least in America, and I think true in other countries too, already accept that this is real. So it sort of takes it to another level if you hear your government acknowledging that for the first time. But I don't think. I think I don't think people are going to be out panicking in the streets about it and being terrified of an invasion or something. I mean, some people will. There always will be groups of people who will react in all kinds of extreme ways. But the yeah. larger body, the larger society, I just don't imagine that happening. No. Um, but. I could be wrong, I don't, you know, there could be some kind of an economic uh, insecurity, there could be some kind of stock market reaction or something. I don't see it as being devastating, you know, the whole no. structures of society crumbling because of this announcement. I think there will be some people who won't even care. Yeah. There are people that just want to live their day-to-day lives, they're trying, struggling hard to make a living and raise their families and like, well, how does this affect me will be the question. If these, mm-hmm. if these, if this intelligence has been around since the 1940s and it hasn't affected me one iota yet, why should I worry about it? Yeah, yeah it's kind of and, interesting, but why should I care? I got, I got to yeah, go out and true. earn a living. So there will be pe- people, people like that too. Um, other people, you know, it, I think a lot of it depends too on what is actually announced and how it's said. The, the other side of it is, though, it's going to open up, no matter what, it's going to open up a zillion questions that are going to be asked. And this is really why it's Pandora's box. Uh, there'll just be so many questions that, that people who are engaged with this are going to want to have answered and that are going to be very difficult to answer. And there's also questions of whether people should be held accountable wrongdoing that happened in the, you know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, which may have been illegal at the time, but these people really thought they were doing the right thing for their country. You know, I personally think, I mean, if you want a personal opinion, I would like to see an amnesty for all people, you know, from decades ago who may have done bad things to try to protect the secret. It was a different world. We were in a Cold War and they were part of their jobs and they, they just, you know, where might have been they were wrong and they might realize that now if those that are still alive. But, you know, to have to go back and like try to. accuse people of things and then, you know, try to I don't know if you take them to court or what. It just could be it could be really, really messy. Mm.
2: So there's and and there are going to be questions
1: about it that are going to be very difficult, that a lot of government agencies are not going to want to have to answer. So I think that's one reason why. It's just being held off. It's like, imagine what's going to, once it's unleashed, you know, even if there's no panic or real problems in the society, just the questions alone that are going to be asked are going to be very yeah. difficult to deal with.
2: Yeah. So, definitely.
1: I, I but, yeah, you know, it's, uh... it's, it's, it'll be really interesting. I hope, I hope it happens while in my lifetime anyway, so I can see what happens. Yeah, um, me too.
0: Yeah. Me too. It's gonna to be wild. Like like you say, there's like a million ways it could turn out. It could unite us all overnight or it could you know, we could wake up afterwards and find that half of the world is like trying to say that there no rights for non-human intelligence, get them away from our planet and half of us are like welcoming them. Like, look, we don't know, it. let's, let's take, give them the benefit of the doubt for now. And like, you know, let's be nice. And yeah, anyway, we'll see, hopefully. Um,
1: yeah, it's really.
0: What are your feelings on how the mainstream media and society in general have reacted to David's claims since, uh, since it went public?
1: I mean, it's been very explosive. I think there's been possibly more high level coverage in Europe than there has been in the United States. Uh, I know it was it's all over the Guardian, leading paper in the UK. Mm. It's been in other papers in the UK as well, and it's been big news in Paris and other countries, you know, on their major mainstream papers. We have not seen it covered in the Washington Post or The New York Times here. But those papers generally don't pick stories up that are already out. They tend to do their own exclusive stories. So it's not that surprising to me. So I think it's gotten, I mean, a lot of coverage as I perceive it. Um, You know, people, people know about David Grush. Uh, I'm so often surprised when I meet somebody who is not, doesn't even know what I do. They seem to know about these things. So it's hard to gauge it, but I, I, Yeah, I think the media coverage has been pretty good, except not in the absolute top mainstream of, as I said, like Washington Post, you know, the, I don't know, about papers like the Boston Globe, the LA Times, the Chicago Tribune, the sort of just under the highest level. I don't know if they've covered it either, but um, I know that our story in the first week, our story got two million seven more than 2,700,000 views which is a lot of people that's, yeah. a, that's huge. Yeah. And I, there's been a lot of coverage, but yeah, not in the, maybe not in the absolute highest. And we haven't seen anything, you know, CNN jumping all over that, although maybe there may have been some coverage. And I haven't really been able to keep track of all of it to tell you the truth. I know the yeah. Hill has been on it almost every day. And, um, so I, 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 I need to go through all the mainstream and kind of get more of a, a handle on it. I just haven't had time. Tell you the truth, but I think it's been fairly good.
0: Yeah, there's, I think there's been two sides from what I've seen. It's like, I haven't seen the ridicule and things like that, in at least not in many places. And, most of the reputable seemingly reputable places that have reported on it it's been fairly either neutral or you know like um taking it seriously mm-hmm. but then on but then on the other side like i'm looking at the uk and stuff and you know you've got the bbc you've got itv channel 4 the main channel all the main channels like on tv in the uk that also have websites and and do the news and everything like that it just haven't touched it oh and, really and i'm just yeah BBC hasn't like, done anything as far as i'm aware nothing i don't think they've even like i asked my parents like whenever i speak to them have they mentioned it on the news yet and they're like no it's still nothing and i've looked on the website and as far as i can see there's nothing and it's just really confusing because i'm like okay if you're skeptical of it or whatever you don't you don't want to risk yourselves on that because you think it's not secure whatever they can do a story and say this former government insider whatever has has come out and made these claims and we haven't been able to confirm or deny or anything and so we we must remain skeptical but this is what he said and if he's lying then he's going to be in trouble and you know it's a story either way it's a story even if he's lying because we'd have this this person fresh out of government fresh out of high level position in government coming out here and what either lying or going crazy or <laughs> making you know whichever way we look at it it's a story so Mm -hmm. it kind of gives me a real weird feeling to see all of them stonewalling it almost in unison like what do you make of that element yeah
1: i mean i think it's just what i was just saying is that it's in the uk too that the very very top level tier the top tier media are not covering it that's Mm -hmm. what it sounds like you're saying is happening in england too um, although The Guardian is pretty high up there, right, as a paper.
0: They're definitely for a paper, yeah. It's just the fact it's like seems like they've kind of made a pact, like let's keep it off, off TV, guys. Sky News as well. I don't think it's been they on Sky News. They have covered it, yeah. It's, yeah, I just it's strange. Know. It's like they've all sat down and said, okay, yeah, we're going to not put this on TV because, you know, why? I just Again, I just, I've gone I around know. in circles in my head, like what is going on with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if they've actually conspired. They probably just have their own ways of making decisions, and it may be because they – They can't get an interview themselves with him. I mean, I think he's there have been lots of requests that have come in for interviews from high level media, and he's not doing any right now. And I think if if he was available to be interviewed by the BBC, I can't imagine they wouldn't do it. I don't think a lot of these high the higher level media does not like to take stories from others and just rehash them. Right. They want to do their own story, their own interviews. They're not going to just say, here's what he told somebody else. It's basically just not their story then. So mm. I think that's a lot of it. I really think that's a lot of what it is. Um, if they could get access, more access than they, they've got, I think they might be more likely to cover it.
0: Yeah. Maybe yeah. still residual stigma and that kind of thing as well. Maybe. maybe some yeah, but they, Old school but editors. Or they do mean. cover
1: these topics though on those networks.
0: A little bit, of, yeah. You know? They they still don't do it a lot. Like it's still really kind of quiet in the UK compared to, compared to the US. Like they still- they're very timid about it you know like that they, when they eventually put out a little story about one of them but but i guess it's getting there so at least it's moving in the right direction um so do you think the the media reaction and the reaction of people is going to help to convince others to come forward and follow in david's footsteps or is it gonna you know is there anything there to put people off and and dissuade them from from going public no
1: i mean in terms of other witnesses you mean or other whistleblowers yeah. no i think uh, it, well I- yeah either I think it will have the impact of encouraging them to come forward, hopefully, Mm. Um, because they can see the courage, they can see what he's been through over the years. When he first started to speak out, they can see that there are now uh, legislation and there's legislation in place to protect them if they want to come forward and to know that others are coming forward makes all the difference. Mm. So hopefully um, he's going to serve as an inspiration and a motivator, you know, a motivator for other people. Um, Yeah especially if he ends up being part of any hearing that happens or we'll just have to see you know things are other things are going to develop with him that might make it more interesting to others as well yeah, so definitely. um yeah i think it will definitely have a positive effect i can't imagine it would have the opposite effect i think
0: if, no, no no i would agree. I, I think it's it'll have like a positive
1: it. effect on other other people yeah for
2: sure
0: yeah yeah are you aware of any uh, like what the reactions have been like behind closed doors in in various areas of the government say in congress and things like that i know i know quite a few congress people have come out and spoken about it and and have actually like given it a lot like put put their weight behind it and put their you know put their i don't know what i'm trying to say they've uh, lent credibility to it and have said that they think david grush is very credible and the things he's saying deserve to be taken seriously um but yeah are you aware of any kind of behind closed doors reactions, what the murmurings are, what the, the kind of narrative is right now?
1: Not really, not any more than what has been made public, because you know the closed doors are definitely closed doors, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah and I know yeah. that they're definitely, uh, I mean, as everyone knows that you know there are a number of um, members who want to have a hearing, and I think they're working on it, and they're trying to yeah. deal with the logistics. It's not an easy thing, you just have a hearing, you have, there's all kinds of logistics you have to deal with to, to make it happen. So, as I understand it, that's underway, mm-hmm. and I don't know anything about who they might want to call to the to those hearings or the he- next hearing we have. Um, I don't know if there'll be a classified hearing as well as a public hearing. Uh, so, we just have to let all of that play out, and it, it just takes a little time, but um, I think, um, you know, I don't have any particular insight to it from... Yeah okay. any source i have in congress or something like that that's telling me things that aren't being said publicly
0: um, do, do you have any expectations in terms of hearings like um it seems like the definitely the it seems like we're going to get some um and seems like david is likely or at least possibly going to be involved are you do you have any kind of expectation in terms of how quick you might expect that to happen um
1: not really i mean i've heard something about you know maybe even weeks that soon but You just hear these things and it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to happen in weeks, but I think there's a momentum now. So the people working on it probably want it to happen sooner rather than later, whatever that means. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I just can't say at this point. I I hope it is. If
0: there are people on the other side, then they probably want to kick the can down the road as far as they can to take out all the momentum. It's probably that same old thing, but yeah, you're right. Anybody that's interested in getting to the truth definitely want to push this through. Um, I had a question here from Jimmy, who's one of one of my patrons. Okay. We kind of just answered it or talked about it, but I'm just going to read what he said to you anyway because I feel like I should. Okay. He, he said, "Miss Miss Kane, thank you for your efforts. We're all indebted to you." And then he was going to ask you if you can tell us anything about forthcoming whistleblowers and or hearings. Yeah, um, I appreciate so we, that. We kind of did that.
1: Yeah, I wish I could. I mean, I you know all I know <laughs> is that others have spoken to Congress already.
2: Yeah, uh, and
1: yeah. I think we're moving forward, and hopefully um, there will be some kind of investigation. I mean, we all have to—all us Americans anyway—have to let our Congress people know that we want them to take this seriously, and we want them to conduct an investigation. And that's really all we can do. I mean, they have a lot mm-hmm. of, obviously, a lot on their plates, but um, I wish I—I I wish I knew more. I mean, I—I I know of uh, you know some whistleblowers who haven't even come forward yet, or they're not necessarily whistleblowers; they're just people with knowledge. So you have to make that distinction of who's a whistleblower and who isn't. But, um, yeah, I don't know how much more I can say about it really,
0: but thanks for the The question. The more people with knowledge that come forward, the better. Um, this question is from, from Joe. Um, so he's, I mean, again, we kind of talked about it as well, but (laughs) when will we get to see more evidence and sworn testimony?
1: Yeah. I mean, hopefully there will be some, if there is a hearing, which looks very likely and there, then they will be un, There will be sworn, te- you know, sworn testimony at that hearing. And whether, and so as all of us, you know, nobody knows more evidence. What evidence will they be allowed to bring forward at a hearing like that? Yeah, you know, that's really. I mean, I don't know how they w- exactly work that out. If a person is supposed to be able to provide evidence to Congress, irrespective of their security oaths, they can provide classified information to Congress, but they cannot provide classified information to the public. So it's really a matter of what level of information is going to be allowed to come forward. You know, are they going to every yeah. question they might have to deflect it if it's classified information or maybe they'll be able to have a way of making it happen. I don't know exactly how through whatever legal means they can to allow some more evidence to come out in the hearing that hasn't come out before. Mm. I think everybody is just waiting to see, you know, yeah. I I don't I just don't. And I wish I had an answer. I can't predict. But I know that um, if, for you know, a lot of the information is so sensitive that I don't think it will be presented. Um, but hopefully, we'll get a little more than what we've got so far. Then we'll yeah. we can be happy about that.
0: Yeah. If I can just get your gut feeling on this in a basically a one-word answer. Um, the the next hearings, assuming David Grush is involved. Do you think there'll be open hearings to the public like, yeah. or are they going to be closed hearings? They're talking about open... a public
1: hearing. I mean, that's otherwise yeah. it wouldn't even be of any interest to us. There'll
0: be a closed bit at the end with the Maybe.
1: The, I mean, the, I don't even evidence, know if there possibly, will be because but, um, right. it just depends on the nature of the hearing, you know, whether they have to also do a classified hearing like they did before. For the one in May yeah. they did, you know, they had closed one afterwards. But that doesn't yeah. always have to be the case. So it's hard to know. It just depends on how it's set up.
0: But really? then what would they say to the hard questions? Then what, how would they how would they say, we're going to discuss that in the, in the closed session Well, that's, a good, that's what I was
1: saying. I mean, they might just have to say, I cannot speak to that because it's classified yeah. information or however they would say that. They just yeah. might have to say yeah. that over and over again. And then yeah. whether they're going to have a closed session afterwards or not, maybe they will. And then they'll say, we can speak about it in closed session. But if they don't have one afterwards, then I don't know what they'll do, except they'll to just say they line. can't answer the question. You know, I, I mean, it's all going to have to be worked out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, who knows?
0: Um, what do you think the reason is for the multi-decade misinformation campaign that David Grush alleges has been directed against the U.S. population and the world?
1: Oh my God, that's such a huge question. I mean, back go, starting back in the 40s and 50s, right, is when it all started. It's basically what we, yeah. you know, the cover up or the, and that's what ridicule became employed. I mean, it was during the Cold War, and we. Uh, we're dealing with something we could not understand, and we didn't want the the Russians to know that this these things were flying around. That when we we were we wouldn't we we didn't want to tell the Russians things are flying around our skies that we can't explain, because they could take advantage of that, uh, and so it just became a kind of a and I mean I could. You know, I don't want to go into a lot of detail about the Robertson panel, and all that. I think people probably know about that. You know, the CIA instigated a policy or a pol- suggested policy through which ridicule would be used to diminish public engagement with UFOs. Mm-hmm. There's a whole effort because because number one, they they didn't know how to explain them. They probably knew pretty early on that they were not ours. They did not feel in a position to disclose that because we were in a Cold War and just because they didn't know what to do about it. It was like a shock. Right you need to spend some time with something like that before you're just going to dump it out into the world. Yeah. And it was very, very tightly guarded because of our, our, um, adversarial, you know, our, our cold war scenario. So, um, it's just become kind of the ingrained way we've dealt with it decade after decade after decade. And I, there's all kinds of reasons that we, you know, we can all speculate on why a government like the United States, well, you know, considered the most powerful country in the world, by some anyway, by America would want to disclose that there are things in the sky that they can't control, right, that they can't protect people from, Uh, that it's technology way more advanced than ours. I mean, what, why would they ever want to tell the world that? Just sort of, if you think about it from their perspective. And they're constantly trying to learn more and to have a national security advantage over the other countries by learning more than the other countries. And we don't know what the other countries have. And so it just sort of I mean, I understand that the perspective by which not so much misinformation, but secrecy, yeah. secrecy. And one of the ways you have to maintain secrecy is maybe to do some mis- to do some nasty misinformation campaigns in order to confuse people to keep it secret. So. It's just a really complicated question, I think, about secrecy, but I, I do think a lot of it has to do with trying to protect ourselves and protect the yeah. technology and the understanding that we have from getting to any of our adversaries, because whoever whoever understands this technology first and can reproduce it, it has a huge advantage over every, every other country, and that's really a dangerous thing for us to ever release, if indeed we do understand it, and nobody knows to what extent we do, yeah. but... If we do, and we, and that got out to people, we didn't want to have the technology; we'd be in real trouble. So it's got to be guarded very closely. I think the the big question is: do the basic questions have to be guarded? You know, like yeah. the, just the fact that we have that we know we're not alone, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that opens up Pandora's box if we announce that. So I also understand, you know, with all the questions and everything, it, I just understand the mentality of those who think it needs to be kept secret. Uh that doesn't mean I'm going to I'm going to I'm still going to work to bring it out because that's what I do but um I understand why they have felt a need to keep it secret.
0: Yeah. And there's a great bit of information or a great chapter about that in your book on on UFOs by Alexander Went and is it Duval. Raymond Duval
1: Raymond Duval? yeah 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 yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. I and I think chapter. they've got a paper somewhere online that's accessible as well that's right. similar I think they yeah they they kind of adapted that into a chapter for your book right exactly and, yeah, and it's that way was more accessible
1: than the paper the paper is very technical yeah, I, I mean yeah. I, know, so, I love that paper but i really had to work hard to understand it but the, the chapter <laughs> in the book is is really compelling i oh, yeah, it was agree brilliant. with you yeah i think yeah, it's really, I recommend
0: really anybody good check that out yeah
2: um
0: so leslie do you think disclosure is happening now like we've been talking about disclosure for ages like when is it gonna happen is this kind of are we right in the midst of it and and at what point would we consider it like done in a sense like do we need biden or whoever is in office to stand in front of the white house and say America, people of the world, we're not alone. Like, are we waiting for that? Like, or is there going to be something else? Is there going to be a moment that we pass where? Do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. Is it is it happening now? And and what needs that to happen for it to be official? I mean,
1: I think it depends on how you define disclosure. Mm
0: -hmm. So you know, if you not not everything, I guess, just that we're not alone is what I'm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people
1: who define who use the word disclosure take it to mean it has to be officially stated. Mm. That, you know, it just depends how you define the word. I mean, certainly a lot has been a lot has come out since 2017, official acknowledgement of the reality of the phenomenon, which we didn't even have before 2017. Right. They have officially acknowledged they've acknowledged that it's real, that it's a national security problem, that it needs to be investigated. Congress is engaging with it. You know, the intelligence community is engaging. We have this uh, Department of Defense agency set up. I mean, all of that is a sort of type of disclosure, at least of the reality of it. So and then this latest disclosure by uh, Grush just sort of kicks it up a notch. But it, it really depends on what each person, I guess, how they define it. I mean,
0: I've, what would you be waiting for would you would you be waiting for for biden or whichever president to to come forward and and say it point blank in black and white or are you already kind of kind of convinced to your level you don't need that you're not waiting for that
1: well i don't need that personally no but i feel like if it's going to shift the paradigm the world yeah, needs yeah. that
0: yeah yeah, yeah. or and if we at didn't... least a consensus of scientists or something coming forward and saying i oh, actually uh I guess yeah, like a gradual changing of the tide where all of a sudden nobody realizes what day it happened, but suddenly you look around and the vast majority of yeah scientists, government officials, and everybody are just on the same page, maybe yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think like you know,
1: really for the paradigm to shift, there has to be a really definitive statement made and maybe, okay. uh, maybe ideally, I mean, and again, the idealism factor, if it could be a lot of countries uniting to announce this, yeah. Um, mm. but that's probably never going to be able to happen with, with China and Russia and the America. But if, even if the highest level of the American government acknowledged it, of course, then they would be asked for proof and that's where you get And the people problems. wouldn't believe
0: them. Yeah. Oh no,
1: yeah. I'm sure there will be plenty of people that will want proof. People don't trust yeah. government, you know?
0: People will be saying false flag and all that, they? All, and all kinds the, of
1: things. And you know, the yeah. proof is so sensitive that they may not be able to provide it. So it's just, a, it's just really messy.
0: They'll have to give us more than they've given us so far. I think at least, oh, yeah. but yeah, definitely oh, messy. It's um, messy. This statement just came out from John Greenwald um, in it was from the air force in response to him in a letter only a few days ago. It was after David Grush's claims uh, had gone viral, let's say. Um, so this is what they said in amongst the letter, which he, he uploaded to Twitter. This is the key paragraph or what I felt was pretty key. Since the termination of Project Blue Book, nothing has occurred that would support a resumption of ufo investigations by the air force so (laughs) it's kind of like wild in the opposite direction to everything else that's been happening recently um on the one hand i feel like i've got you know like all these articles and stuff that chris Mallon has put out about how the air force uh, are just not doing what they should be doing with this and and they've consistently been dragging the rear instead of leading from the front um but even that feels a little bit too far like yeah. what do you make of that I mean
1: it's pretty shocking because they're responsible for our skies right and that's where these things mm-hmm. are Yeah So to say that nothing has occurred that it would 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 you know lead them to believe you know lead them to any kind <laughs> it's of It's almost laughable right Yeah I mean and it, it must be some kind of reaction to what's been going on that they've put that Do out. Do they
0: think we don't have the internet? Do they think it's still like, you know, like 1940 something and they're like able to just say whatever they want to say and people are just going to eat it up? I mean, I
1: don't know. It's
0: actually ridiculous. Like nothing has occurred since Project Blue Book, I mean, that is really, really occurred.
1: surprising. I mean, they're just like digging in their heels.
0: and yeah. don't
1: want to be brought into any of this, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it is. I think all of that's going to have to unravel at some point
0: yeah but uh yeah you're it's really like digging in your like,
1: heels regardless of what's going on around you right
0: yeah yeah it is i mean it's like it's going even more extreme with it because of what's going on it's like you thought we were holding this tight where you want to get this information you're going to have to take it from like a cold dead hands exactly. we haven't given you anything
1: exactly like, uh, yeah it's really really it's something
0: <laughs> wild though what wild a strange world we live in, in i know like absolute polar opposite to everything else that's been happening um let me read you this question from reddit um do you see any connection between the recent movements towards disclosure and potential nuclear escalation with Russia? I'm coming at this from a geopolitical perspective in the sense that could the U.S. or some government actors sensing the severity of a nuclear threat be using some form of disclosure to prevent nuclear esca- escal- escalation as like a break in case of emergency situation, ala Reagan's quote from his U.N. speech? So do you think there's anything there? Well, I mean, there could be.
1: I think it's a fascinating thing to think about and fascinating question, but I'm I'm in no way any authority on that kind of stuff. But so I don't know. But it's a really interesting
0: question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I agree with you. Obviously, I know way less than you, but I agree. That I don't know enough to address and, and that kind of question
2: now.
0: <laughs> whether it's accurate or not, but it seems like it, it could be accurate, at least. It seems like it you could, never know. you know, it has the, it could, it would make sense. It seems logical, not that it's the only thing that would make sense. Um, mm-hmm okay so unless there's anything else to say about david grush obviously we could talk about him for hours but if uh unless there's anything that you feel like you want to say i'd love to ask you a few kind of maybe quick fire questions we'll just run through some just general ufo stuff and and stuff about your book uh, ufos generals and pilots go on the record um so is there any last words on, I on think grush so. no, or I think the should... latest happenings i think
1: you've asked great questions ben i think we've covered
0: it Cool. I, I, I could have asked you so many. You know, was, uh-huh. I, I've been like thinking so hard. Yeah, like, but then I, I can't answer so many all. questions. There's too many that I, <laughs> There's so true. many
1: I can't answer. So it gets boring after a while for people. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um,
0: <laughs> okay so let's kind of relatively quick fire i'm not going to say you have to kind of do like three word answers or anything but just bear in mind like let's kind of be fairly swift with these and and if i feel like we're not swift enough i'll, I'll at some point speed us up even more um so to start us off in your book yeah ufos um is it i always get what question whether it's generals or pilots it's or general generals, like the order generals of first or... yeah
1: generals pilots and government so, officials go on the record yeah
0: yeah there we go so, so in that book which is great and i highly recommend people oh, thank read, you. partly for what we we just discussed the chapter by Alexander Went and Raymond DeVoe, but also there's so many incredible cases in there. What would you say are the most compelling, in your opinion, say one or two cases and/or individuals involved?
1: Or um, gosh, there's all the cases in that book are great.
0: Um, Putting you on the spot. <laughs> one
1: of my favorite ones is the Iranian case with Parviz Jafari, where he was um, in the 19th. I think I believe it was 1976, where he was um, called up to go check by the Air Force to check out this gigantic diamond-shaped UFO that was seen by hundreds of people. It was seen, it was over Tehran, so a lot of people were seeing it. And um, he was up there just to go check it out. And then these projectiles started to, f- to come out of it towards his plane. He tried, he did lock onto them with his heat with his missiles because he thought he might have to defend himself. At the very end he did, he was really in a position to defend himself. He thought they were gonna hit his plane. And then at the moment that he was gonna fire he lost control of his equipment and that happened two or three times. It was almost as if the objects knew in some way, you know, I mean, he he would lose control and then they would go off. They never hit him, but it was yeah. this incredible cat and mouse kind of uh, dance that he was doing. And it was just so kind of up close and personal, that whole case. And then it was, Documented in great detail by the U.S. government, by the Department, by the Defense Intelligence Agency, and they filed a detailed briefing with him on and others on this case, which was released later. So it also demonstrates the interest that our government had in investigating cases at a time when they claimed they didn't have any interest in it, which was after the yeah. close of Blue Book. So yeah. it's a really interesting <laughs> go, case. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but there's a lot of—I mean, a lot of good cases. I tried to find the absolute most credible, most evidential cases when I wrote that book, and a lot of them yeah. were written by the people involved, not by me. Mm. Including yeah, the one by Parviz Jafari, where he wrote his own story in the first person of what what it was like for him. It was not me telling you; it's the him telling you. So yeah. it makes it I really exciting it to like read. That. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's like gripping. Um, and yeah, there was like Ray Boyer was a really interesting case. I there was Frederick the... Valentich, which is like wild. Obviously, his case where just disappears and stuff oh like that. Oh my God, they're all so um, fascinating.
1: And Raybo, yeah, Robo, you just contacted me the other day. I'm still in touch with him. Uh, he mm. was an amazing wit- uh, pilot who had this, this encounter and, yeah, came over to our press conference in 2007, or I got to meet him in person. So, yeah, a lot of great, uh, great people have been contributing to this over the years. Yeah. Yep. Yeah
0: yeah yeah absolutely and a, quite a number um can you tell me again i would love it if we had more time for this but we'll keep it brief um so can you tell me a little bit about the Kometa report and and the impact that that had on your life
1: yeah i mean the Cometa report was what got me started in all of this so i might never have done it if not for that report at least professionally yeah. but um it was, a, it, it was a French report that was published, I believe it was in 1999. At least that's when I got an English translation of it. Yeah. Uh, and it was put together by a number of generals. These are all retired officials from France. They were part of a think tank which advised the French government at the time. So they wrote this white paper and delivered it to the government of France. But they, it wasn't a government report. But these were retired. Mm-hmm. There were like three maybe retired generals. There was an admiral a former chief of police, a a group of scientists, the former head of of the French government agency there who has been studying this thing for decades. And they did a three-year study examining all official cases from around the world on UFOs. And they published this report where they summarized the cases And then they drew the conclusion that the best explanation for the cases they studied was the extraterrestrial hypothesis, like we were referencing earlier. They basically said it was the most valid, logical, and rational explanation for these cases, because the cases had enough data that they could eliminate other explanations for them. They could eliminate conventional explanations, or they felt they could. And so they were left with what? And so they were actually bold enough to write in this, in black and white, in this report, that they, the extraterrestrial hypothesis was the most, the best one to explain them. And they kept, we can't prove it, but it was very matter of fact and logical, you know, and I I was, you know, everybody was used to the kind of ridicule and it was sci-fi and it was funny and it was movies. And here are these military officials at high levels, black and white, serious, you know, just statements with no sense of, anything being weird about that. It was just the logical deduction they made from the cases. And so I was, you know, as a reporter, I was just really struck by that. So a colleague sent that report to me it had been translated into English. And I was just kind of blown away by look at the caliber of the people making the statement, you know, and so that was. Um, yeah, it was just stunning to me, really, that they would have said that. And I thought, what if American generals had said that? What would have happened then, yeah. you know? So. Um, i that's what got me into this i started digging into it and my first story i ever wrote which was in may of 2000 for the boston globe was about based off of that report basically and that's what just kick my whole journey mm. in this in the ufo field and i i would, didn't ever ever look back after that so i thank that I you
0: report.
1: <laughs> yeah thank you thank you to those Cometa people for and i ended up going to france and meeting uh one of the generals who was the
0: Denny Letty, was General it?
1: Letty, yeah. He was such a, yeah. such a sweet man. I have met him on more than one occasion, who was really the yeah. force behind all of that. So it was, um, yeah, really, really a really major turning point for me, obviously.
0: Yeah. yeah maybe in a future conversation we'll talk more about the people involved in that and more about the report in general because they had really incredible like credentials and and backgrounds yeah. and career histories and sure. things like that so yeah it was awesome um and i guess just in a couple of words like how do you think it holds up now how do you evaluate its significance now two decades later i mean
1: um, it's a, it's a little dated in that you know i think that i mean it's historic you know it's historic just like The work of J. Allen Hynek was historic. You know what I mean? It's one of the major steps along the way. It was the first time like a group from one country at that level had come out and put out a report that was public, right?
2: Mm.
1: So, you know, but we've come a long way since then. And I think uh, we don't necessarily think of the extraterrestrial hypothesis. We don't use that language anymore, for instance. But it was a step that got us to where we are today and a, a crucial step. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it it holds up in that sense. It wouldn't hold up as well if it was, like, just issued now. It would seem a little dated because of the way they're describing it. Um, But, you know, it's major, major importance. And the cases that they said, I mean, it's worth everybody's time to read it. No doubt Um, about that. It's just, you know, we've kind of shifted the way we describe things a little bit since then. And we've come a long way since then. But, yeah. Yeah.
0: And as as you said, if it wasn't for that report, maybe we wouldn't even be having this conversation right. right now because you never would have pursued this as a career and, and ex, et cetera, et cetera. That's right. Um, let me ask you kind of a bunch of questions now, really quick ones really and quickly, really quick I, answers. I and I then... have to be
1: disappearing pretty soon, unfortunately.
0: Can I do like these like <laughs> five or so super quick, okay. if we can do them in literally like two minutes and then I have like two questions that maybe you just take a few minutes longer to answer, but I I get you out of here in like 10, 15, something like that. Is that okay? Okay. Okay. Uh, we better, these ones you know,
2: s- Yeah. Let's just uh,
1: let's I yeah. mean, I love talking to you Ben. I've just got speed. so many things pressing on me. So.
0: Let's just speed on these ones okay, really cool. quickly. So, just and and for these ones you're just your gut feeling. No I'm nobody's so going to hold you to this. Things. Nobody quote Leslie I know, See but what you can know, do.
1: I don't do gut feelings that often so I'll do my best. But.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the the Calvin photo is it is it man-made tech is it something i really else? don't
1: know yeah again i mean james fox is, is actually right now i think involved with an investigation yeah, of that he... photo i have never spent any time with it so i'm a...
0: do you lean one way or another just I off just your like don't. first glance at the feel, picture
1: i don't feel like i have the knowledge to even have an opinion mm-hmm. on it it's just something okay, i haven't looked into that's one of the things about the work i do ben i have to be very discriminating about what i focus on because yeah, i can't I do that. everything There's
0: too many things in the world yeah and i have other <laughs>
1: other projects I'm doing and I'm involved with documentaries, you know, the the, the documentary I did I for CNN, it just takes up like all my time. And then a, a photo comes along and I like, Whoa, that just went right by me. You know what I mean? That's one of yeah, those things. I with Calvin. I just haven't, I have not looked into that at all. So I don't want don't to, I don't want to have it. any worry opinion about it. About it. Yeah
0: yeah no fine Th- there's a photo from your book the belgian ufo photo, the belgian wave photo that has kind of people think it's a hoax i think somebody came out and said that they hoaxed it right. but it was kind of a vague like ownership of, of hoax they didn't really you know they weren't they didn't give their name or id or anything they just somebody wrote into a paper i think semi-anonymously and said yeah i faked it so anyway is it a hoax or do you still think there's I a mean, chance that it might be real
1: yeah i don't really know that but i know what happened in that situation so the, the actual shooter. We do know his name, the person who took the photo, and he came yeah. out with an announcement that he had faked it like 20 years later, mm-hmm. many years later. It was right around, I think, in 2011, I remember, because we were just about to put our History Channel special out, which based on my book, and I'd featured this and in our History Channel special. It was came out in 2011. We had done a whole segment on that photograph, and it was just about ready to air. And then two weeks prior, the, the shooter comes out and says he faked it. So that was what, it happened in 89 and this was 2011. So it was a lot of years later. Um, yeah. And the Belgian investigator who went went to see him, he could not recreate, he would not or could not recreate the picture. They said, okay, let's see how you did it. And he couldn't recreate it. He said, well, I don't have the right kind of, same kind of lights that I had before. And um, so they felt, you know, they were just a little skeptical about it. The other problem is that he was involved with a a legal a legal battle with somebody who owned the copyright to the picture. He had sold mm, the copyright, yeah. Yeah. and there was some kind of court scenario going on, where the person in making the who owned the copyright was making money on it, and the shooter wasn't happy. And you know there were dynamics going on that could have explained why he might have said it was a hoax when it wasn't, and he yeah. couldn't reproduce the picture. On the other hand, his girlfriend at the time who's, who was there claimed, she said, she reinforced it and said she was there and he did hoax it. Now, mm-hmm. who knows what her motives might have been for saying that. So we really, it's funny. I mean, usually when somebody hoax, says they've hoaxed something, it's it's a given that they've done it. I think in this scenario, we can't be 100% sure because of all those complexities. And I've I've just yeah. glided over superficially the complexities of it so um but the problem is it does eliminate it as a source a source of evidence now even if we're not sure yeah. it can't be used as evidence and that's that's yeah. the sad thing so i don't know if we're ever going to know for sure but i did in the french edition of my book which came out after we found out about this um general Wilfried de Brower, the 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 belgian general mm-hmm. who was involved with that case actually wrote an addendum to the french edition of the book and we took the photos out of that book.
2: Oh,
0: right,
1: we took okay. them all out yeah. of the French edition, and we we edited his chapter. And then he wrote an addendum at the back explaining why we did that and explaining the whole scenario with the um, with those photographs. And so, yeah. And I think I've done that. I think there have been maybe another a, another. There was maybe a Polish edition, a couple of other foreign editions that have come out. And we've always made that clear and taken those pictures out and, and explained it. Yeah. So. All we can say is that they can't be used as evidence anymore, that there's an ambiguity about it. But he said he hoax them. So, you know, if you want to take him at his word, then he hoax them.
0: It's yeah.
1: just um,
0: In- inconclusive, we'll say. It's inconclusive,
1: <laughs> I would say. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, again, super quick the Wilson Davis memo, do you have any leanings on whether it is authentic?
1: Oh, I believe it's authentic. I'm yeah, willing to say that, is absolutely. I know okay. Eric Davis well cool. enough to not doubt, to ever think that he would make
0: something like that up. I don't think he did. Yeah. And obviously, it aligns now very much with recent things. Exactly. Um, the Vegas the Vegas UFO story. I'll basically give you multiple choice here. Well, that's in the, the other one speed. I have. It's. Like, so, I haven't
1: followed it for two seconds either. That's another one.
0: Okay. Because you that, don't know enough to guess hoax, deliberate, uh, distraction, I mean, or I real. just
1: don't feel informed about it, Ben, because that okay. happened all during the, the time around we were publishing yeah, yeah, the article. I, guess, I mean, yeah, it was yeah. like right after the article came out, wasn't it? That it happened yeah
0: pretty much it was and, like it seemed like it was like a day later exactly or something. Like, and i was uh, so yeah. busy
1: with the aftermath of that article i could not spend yeah. time on it and i just said well other people are going to take care of this you know i don't have to focus on it again i'm sorry to disappoint people but no I have,
0: no no it's all good it gives us more the time to do the, the rest of it. yeah
1: so i just don't know i mean <laughs> I, the last thing i saw was i thought it was kind of people were saying it was a hoax i don't know yeah. but i'm not informed on it so sorry
0: does this does the stuff with Grush give you i mean again i don't know what your pre-existing opinion was on bob lazar does it change your opinion on bob lazar do you think it lends more credence to bob lazar or does it not affect bob lazar in any way again just in literally yeah, a word or two i would I, say, do wanna, I need to ask you one or two more i mean
1: words. i didn't have a hard and fast opinion about bob lazar anyway but i would for me it i don't think it really affects it one way or the other but no yeah i mean at least
0: maybe it lends credibility maybe in the it sense does a that we we give david credibility and david saying things that could potentially align with what bob says but it certainly doesn't david's not out there saying that yeah bob was my lunch mate yeah i don't um, think he's okay. i don't so, even think
1: he's talked about bob lazar but i don't
0: know no um so obviously i know you were close to bud hopkins um who was one of the most prominent researchers in regards to abductions or the abduction phenomenon um what are your thoughts on that and again again just in a word or two do you think it's a real phenomenon do you think this non-human intelligence that david has referred to and is that taking people away and doing various tests or whatever they're doing i don't know but is it is it something that's real in your opinion in a one-word answer i I, I
1: definitely (laughs) trust and believe that the people reporting this are reporting what they believe actually happened to them and that they've had some kind Mm -hmm. of engagement with something uh, you know, I, I believe that I, you know, what it actually is and what the specifics of what happened to them, I have no way of knowing what they are, but, um, I respect those people and I think they have a lot to contribute to, to the, discussion of our better understanding of this. So absolutely. I mean, you know, every case is different, but yeah, I take course. them very seriously and I know a lot of people who have had encounters like that and I have no reason yeah. to doubt what they're saying. So,
2: yeah. Yeah, it's just not something you can Um, ever
1: really document or prove, you know, most of the time. I I mean, there's a lot of interesting evidence, but, um, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah, all good. Let me ask you this penultimate question. This is a good one. This is one somebody sent to me months ago. Oh yeah, um, they sent it. They 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 gave me like a little like a donation to the podcast via Buy Me a Coffee, and they sent a question for Leslie. <laughs> and uh, so it's from from Nick. Okay, Nick. He he uh he says in Surviving Death, chapter thirteen, you provide a list of information points as a result of your Skype reading with the late Irish medium Sandra O'Hara. Allegedly, these points were coming from psychic contact with Bud Hopkins. The seventh point is the star people this connects you if being on the other side is like having any kind of vantage point on this view of reality one cannot help but wonder if the phenomenon could be observed even from there what are your thoughts on this did you and did you or have you ever thought to ask any spirit people about non-human entities in our world
1: Oh, that's a great question so he's he's, um nick you're asking he's asking about the phenomenon being observed from there meaning once you're on the other side maybe you would see ufos
0: yeah, that and or whether you've ever asked somebody that's seemingly on the other side, um, if they have any knowledge of non-human yeah, beings. Yeah, I our mean, world.
1: I have. Um, you know, you've covered Stuart Alexander on this show before, right? So maybe mm, some yeah, of your yeah, viewers yeah. are familiar with his mediumship. I have asked his communicators from the other side. They're not really aware of it. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. that others aren't, or that you know they're in no. they're in one particular realm. I mean, I don't know how all this stuff works, but they were not um familiar or they didn't you know they have not encountered any of the the sort of alien type beings or ufos or anything like that i think they heard of them but so there's are really the only ones i've ever asked personally about um i, I the, the readings that i've done were earlier that i wrote about my book were so focused on connecting to my deceased loved ones that i it didn't even really think about it although yeah. um there was actually when Bud Hopkins did give a message to through the first reading that I did, not the one with Sandra O'Hara, but the first one with Laura Lynn Jackson, which I also wrote yeah. about, which I didn't I didn't have bullet points. It wasn't as clear as the, as the one to Sandra, but um, he did say something to her about them being time travelers. I need to go back and read that transcript again. Yeah. He did say something Interesting. which he volunteered. I didn't ask about it. She said he was yeah. saying something about um, the time traveling is real. And that it pertains to the UFO phenomenon. Now he might have meant that in the sense of bending space time or something, Mm
2: -hmm. as opposed to like humans
1: doing time traveling. I don't know exactly what he meant, but yeah. But no, so I haven't. I have not gone to mediums and asked them about that. But um, it's a really interesting question, and I think there's. I mean, Whitley Strieber is a good person to talk to about. Nick might like to look up to him
0: uh, this. Oh,
1: good. Well, Nick, Nick, have to. You have to re ask Nick's question to Whitley. I mean, ask, you know, Whitley really looks into the relationship between the afterlife realm and the UFO phenomenon. I mean, that's something you could spend your whole interview on that with him. Yeah. 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 You guys are going to have a great time because those are the kinds of questions that Whitley can address way and the nature of the phenomenon too, way better than I can. He's an experiencer himself. So I I highly recommend that everybody listen to that interview. That's going to be great that you're interviewing him.
0: It's really great. Thanks, Leslie. He's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I am. Um- Last question, and then I'll just ask you for a couple of words, and then you're out of here, okay? Um, So I'm going to read you a quote from something you said in our last interview, actually, um, when we discussed more surviving death and and that side of things. Uh So you said, I think there's more and more being learned about the links between the UFO phenomenon and issues related to consciousness and the afterlife. That's an area of study right now for lots of scholars and people who've been involved with this topic for a long time. So it's how do they intersect? That's the big question. Now I know you've obviously been very 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 busy since we last spoke and especially recently but I along with some people on Reddit and some of my patrons would love to know what are your latest thoughts on that have you had any more or thoughts on the the links and connections and overlaps and parallels and what have you
1: Between the afterlife and the UFO phenomenon right
0: afterlife consciousness yeah. UFO phenomenon and I mean I just and, and nothing new
1: you know because I don't know when we were last talking Ben how long ago it
0: was um but, yeah, I don't know either, but six months, eight months. Yeah. That I mean, I've
1: been so focused on, you know, whistleblowers and, you know, this very concrete stuff, trying to get the story together, you know, doing the background research that I had to do for that story. I mean, I, yeah. I love to listen to others who discuss these matters, but I can't say that I have spent a lot of time doing any further thought. I have no particular insights now that I didn't have a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, have conversations. I may pick up little stories and little interesting things here and there from people I talk to. But um, it really comes from people who are out there. Like, you know, I recommend the work of Diana Pasolka and Jacques Valet, who all deal with, and Jeff Kripal is another one from Rice University, who deals with all of these questions. Um, and Whitley, of course, who you're going to have on. But I would, you know, again, recommend that people check out the work of, of Diana and Jeff. Um yeah. Uh, and another one is Colm Kelleher from who was involved with the Skinwalker mm. Ranch Project, who's written, you know, this book Skinwalkers at the Pentagon. I mean, there, there's just you have to kind of just do your do all the work with these people. And then you kind of put together in your mind your own scenario. But it's not concrete or clear cut at all. So I just I, I, I other than directing people to those other great writers and we all just think about it and and uh, ponder it. but
0: Mm. The more information we get, maybe the more we'll kind of be able to piece together but maybe it's yeah, just so mysterious. It's, uh, it's so unknown exactly. at this
1: point. I mean it seems like there is a connection for sure. There is yeah. there's some kind of realm or dimension where all these things overlap. That yeah. that seems I clear. think it
0: was I think it was Jeffrey Mishlove that said to me when I spoke to him on the show, something about when he was doing research into people that had accounts from, you know, another realm, an afterlife realm. He said somebody said something about them being given a craft, a UFO, a saucer, As a gift, something like that. A gift. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. That was Diana Pasolka. I think, who suggested
1: that in her book, American Cosmic, uh, really? which is a really great book. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Wow. I would um, recommend yeah, that that's book. Wild. Yeah. Um, look Leslie you've been super generous with your time yet again. I've I've loved talking to you. Oh, um thank you. I thank you so much for all the work you've done on this on this topic on you know pushing this out to to more people and and yeah putting in the hard hours behind the scenes to 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 get things like David Grush's testimony and and yeah thank you well, so thank much. You, ben. Thank you for today. Really appreciate it. Is there any last words and a message you want to say to anybody that's watched or listened today?
1: Um oh gosh I don't know. Just um keep following the news and let's hope we get we get to the next step. I don't know. Yeah. And I just I yeah, appreciate <laughs> everybody's uh, interest in what I'm doing and what what the stories that Ralph and I do. I really appreciate all the interest and response that that come from great people like you and all the great questions. So thank you for all of that.
0: Well, we appreciate you, Leslie, and please keep doing what you do. Um, it's so valuable. Thank, thank you.
1: Thank you,
0: Ben. Thank you to Leslie Kane for talking with me and thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Please see the description for relevant links and more. And please subscribe to continue unraveling the universe with us. If you want to support us, you can do so via Patreon or by helping to share our content. Thank you.